Welcome to Intrapod, a podcast by Intrapride where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Happy Pride season! We hope you're all out there recognizing Pride in the way that you're most comfortable with, but also wishing for everyone's safety and health. This Pride special month here on Intrapod, we're focused on how legal policies continue to prevent us from living in equality and equity. In this episode, we speak to Dr. Marissa Ladinsky, a pediatrician and also co-lead of the Youth Multidisciplinary Gender Team at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, about two of Alabama's most harmful bills dangerously affecting transgender, gender-diverse, and expansive youths. SB 184, this law makes it a felony punishable of up to 10 years in prison to provide gender-affirming care. And also HB 322, this law bans K-12 students from using bathrooms and school facilities consistent with their gender identity. Additionally, the law bans conversations about sexual orientation and gender identity in classrooms for grades K-5, through which is extremely similar to Florida's recent Don't Say Gay or Trans bill. While the two bills give us reasons to be concerned, listen on for a heartfelt story about how doctors, healthcare professionals, and experts came together to fight for LGBTQIA plus rights. Here's Dr. Marissa Ladinsky. Marissa Ladinsky, I use she, her pronouns. I'm a faculty attending pediatrician or academic title associate professor of pediatrics here at the University of Alabama at Birmingham within the Division of General Academic Pediatrics. I'm right here in Birmingham, Alabama. I wear a number of hats, though, as a medical educator and pediatrician here, training medical students and residents every day. But I also, so I work in primary care clinic. I work in our regional longitudinal NICU follow-up clinic. And my absolute most joyous place is having developed and co-lead the entire region's multidisciplinary gender health team. Let's begin with what's happening in Alabama. We know the two really harmful bills that have come out of it, and it sounds like the governor has signed these bills, and it's pretty final. But I'd love to hear from you exactly what these bills are and the status of it as we stand today. Alabama, really, and this didn't come out of nowhere, okay? This has this legislative climate in where transgender and gender diverse non-binary children and their families, as well as myself and my team who treats them, have really been thrust into the absolute center nucleus of what has become the nation's beta test for anti-trans healthcare, affecting trans children in education for the nation, okay? So there are two formerly bills which became law in the 2022 legislative session in Alabama. The first, SB 184, known as the BCAP bill, and I am not going to give you what the words are that come from that acronym because it's just too ironic and painful, but it has to do with vulnerable children, okay? That is a two-part bill. Part one was the first to ever threaten a medical provider with a felony criminal conviction for delivering standard of care medicine to trans non-binary gender diverse youth facing gender dysphoria. That's unprecedented. The second half of that VCAP bill 
legally mandates that any school person in any school throughout the entire state to whom a youth, a student discloses a gender diverse identity is now legally mandated to immediately notify the parents, okay? So that two-part bill was signed into law by the governor of Alabama. There is a second bill, now a law, House Bill 322, which again is two parts to it. Part one mandates, and this one takes place or is set to roll out when Alabama's kids return to school in early August. So in that bill, and I don't know its formal name and I don't think I want to, that bill mandates that all students throughout the public schools in the state of Alabama use only the school restroom that aligns with the box checked on their birth certificate, or if the school allows a single gender or gender neutral bathroom. The second half of that bill passed in the very last day at the very last second, as takes the exact wording of Florida's quote, don't say gay bill, but to eliminate all discussion, teaching, or um, curricular standards around LGBTQ involvement in the wider society, uh, grades K through five. So those are the two bills. They are now the law in part. Tell us a little bit more of how supporting the community would, you would be prosecuted for it. So we're focusing now on the piece of SB 184, the VCAP bill, that would criminalize any medical provider for prescribing or administering specifically um, hormone blocking medication, GnRH agonists, or hormonal therapy to minors. And in Alabama, they have defined minor as under the age of 19, period. This is an unprecedented law, bill who became a law, that never before would a medical provider, a doctor, a nurse practitioner, a nurse, be faced with a felony conviction for prescribing evidence-based, guideline-driven, standard-of-care medicine that's been in place for almost two decades in this nation. The fear for us, not just for every gender-diverse young person in our state, in our region, and I fear more, by the way, for the youth I have not yet met than the ones I currently care for because we have blanketed support for some, but we're dashing hope for so many. That aside, my colleagues, my physician colleagues, not just in Alabama, but across the nation, this law, were it allowed to continue, could force physicians to decide between risking a felony criminal conviction or turning their back on the basic tenets of our Hippocratic Oath, we would be forced to actively do harm to patients. And that isn't who we are or what our profession is. Explain to us how bills like these could get passed. So remember that these two bills, the ones we're talking about, are really the quintessential examples of what I call a culture wedge issue becoming a political wedge bill. Proposed legislation that does not come to a lawmaker's slate based on public threats to public security or constituent concern. These are classic 
culture wedge issues finding their way into legislation for the hope that they can grow somebody's base, demonstrate loyalty to special interest groups, and propel said sponsoring lawmaker into public office for a second, third, fourth term, or even a first, okay? For a political wedge bill to endure and survive, there must be a sizable amount of misinformation that's now become disinformation, weaponizing misinformation to advance public policy. And that's what this bill's basis rests on, okay? There is, and most all of us who work in these spaces advocating for those who identify under the wonderful LGBTQIA umbrella, we know that there are lines of misinformation around the country, okay? This specific one rests on the notion that primarily that the medicine that we provide, the gender-affirming care, more specifically medication, that's been used for almost two decades in pediatric and adolescent healthcare to avert and allay gender dysphoria is, quote, experimental, that it does more harm than good, but it requires sizable amounts of misinformation, disinformation, along with the voices of medical providers who can interpret valid research and data to fit that agenda, the agenda that it's experimental or harmful, and that there is a population of, quote, vulnerable youth that lawmakers must protect from this thought to be clear and present danger. It's Pride Month, and we always reflect on that first pride, Stonewall, that is, and and pride started as a riot rising up against policies that prevented us from living our authentic lives, policies that persecuted us and who really criminalized us. Now, I guess the question is back to you. um, What is the response? What would a doctor like you do knowing that it could cost you your job and in fact persecute you is the idea to, to run away, live in a different state? What is the response? Because I don't have the answer. Well, I will tell you, so Stonewall, you know, and the, so much rests on the shoulders of those incredibly strong trans women of color who use their voice, their strength, their ability to build coalitions, organize to way back then, right? in a small corner of Greenwich Village, New York, show us what it looks like to speak and act truth to power. Over the last three years, I've absolutely discovered how a pediatrician and how a physician and how our voice can literally do the same without physical violence, thank God. And you know, in this part of the country, here in Birmingham, Alabama, There really is a long, long, long history of elevating voices in nonviolent ways. But all that aside, um, we sought out to work with the legislature, work with media in 2021 and even the early part of the 2020 session. I learned very quickly that very few people in Alabama 
really understood gender identity and how someone's gender identity cannot completely align with their sex assigned at birth. Misunderstanding and ignorance fuel actions that go with hate. And so I sought to find pathways into that, how to help lawmakers better understand what my youth already know so that together we can navigate safe pathways for them in the future. And I found out very quickly that media also didn't know and they were fascinated. And so I spent hours and hours working with not national media, not international media like you amazing people, but ironically, regional media. Folks from Alabama media and publications, because that's who our lawmakers read the words of every day during our legislative session. And it really helped. When somebody works with media as an activist, as an advocate, or as a co-conspirator, you have that opportunity to educate and thereby frame the narrative. And by the end of the session in 2021, media were elevating my youth's voice through truth, through fact, through science. And in 2021, we were successful. The lawmakers we met with, and we had brave, brave families and our gender diverse youth who said, help prep me. I want to talk with legislatures. They led a march in Montgomery first the youth march and then the parent march. We formed a coalition of like-minded organizations with power in the legislature. We call them lobbyists or strategists, right? Who are in Montgomery all the time and have their fingers on the pulse and can help grow trusted relationships with lawmakers. And in doing all of this, you find that the physician voice can be very, very powerful. Scary, but powerful. And in 2021, we succeeded. That VCAT bill did not get its final vote on the House floor, and it died with the session. And we hoped and thought that would be it. But then 2022 came around. What is the message that you continuously share with youths, trans, GNC, gender diverse youths? Well, we in the 2022 session, when this bill on the very last day at the very last second, actually was passed in the legislature, surprising to so many as most thought it was going to find the same fate as 2021. And I don't mean just my amazing families, but lawmakers too. All of us were surprised. And when 24 hours later, the governor signed it into law and less than 24 later, hours later, our lawsuit dropped. And we, the doctors, patients, and families, together with pastoral care, with faith leaders, we filed an appeal to this bill in Alabama Federal District Court. And after a long three days, a very conservative but very smart judge here in Alabama granted us an injunction. The law is no longer in effect in Alabama. And the nation saw that we were the beta test and we took it all the way. Judge Burke listened to testimony. He listened to scientific consensus, to fact, to evidence presented to him 
by families, by us, weighed it with the state's counter and ruled that this part of the law is likely not going to stand up to constitutional muster. That was a great day for science. That was a great day for truth. We continue to provide 24-7 the same care we've been providing for ages. And the nation is seeing that youth behind you are doctors who see you. We hear you. We embrace you. And we embrace your identity and your journey. Parents, we've got your back. We'll help you support your gender diverse youth because they are the brilliance and beauty and joy of tomorrow. Um, and we saw the rule of law prevail. We saw our legal system work for our kids. So that's my message. Stay the course. Don't ever lose hope because hope is what keeps all of us going. Dr. Ladinsky, thank you so much for being with us on Intrapod. Thanks for all you do and happy pride, everybody. I'm going to tell you, this was the inaugural year for UAB Pediatrics to march in the Birmingham, Alabama Pride Parade. And I've never seen so much energy, so much joy. Um, And there were at least, I mean, 10,000 people lining our streets. So it's been a good year, all in all. But we've got to not give up and we've got to keep this going because we will succeed everywhere. Thank you, Dr. Ladinsky and the entire community of fighters who protest, who speak up, who embody the spirit of pride and why we're in this together. We are fighting for our collective future. Happy Pride, everyone. Please visit enterpride.org to learn about our annual general members meeting and world conference happening in Guadalajara late October. You can also listen to all episodes of Interprod. I'm your host, Michelle Miao. This is Interpod, a podcast by Interpride where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community.